Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. one day because of his abundance of revelation and you know the the joy of that whole thing is the fact that he had so much grace so much grace God said after the third time he asked deliver me from this God said hush Paul hush he said uh, my grace is sufficient for you and the joy of that whole thing is simply this you ready for this Paul had so much grace that he never told us what his thorn was he never told us so we have to speculate it was his eyesight. We have to speculate it was a hump on his back. We have to speculate that it was some marital difficulties because he was a single man. We have to speculate that it was some things from his past. We have to speculate all that stuff. Some people think it was his stature, but he never told us. I think that you can live a life like that with Almighty God. I think you can, you can stand here tonight and say, you know what, in spite of all my stuff, his grace is sufficient. In spite of all my stuff, His grace is sufficient. And I think it's important that you live that kind of life because people, people get worried about hearing how bad it is. The economy's bad. This is bad. That's bad. School's bad. Violence is everywhere. Somebody needs some good news. Somebody needs people that will walk into the midst of bad news and have good news in them. And even though they're not feeling like giving the good news, they still deliver it because they understand His grace is sufficient. Oh, I could preach right now. His grace is sufficient. Grace is an awesome thing. In fact, the Bible said in the book of Zephaniah, the Bible said that one day you're going to see a mountain and you're going to cry grace, grace to that mountain. And that mountain's going to become a plain. And you're going to plant crops and you're going to reap crops from that mountain that used to be a mountain, but now it's a plain. I'm telling you, the grace of God is awesome. The grace of God is awesome. The grace of God is awesome. There's nothing like God's grace. Oh, I get excited. Nothing like the grace of God. Nothing like His grace. Nothing like His grace. Amen. Got a mountain in your way? Say grace, grace to it. Watch God. We're doing a series. We're going to preach again on it Sunday about favor. We're going to do a little preaching on favor Sunday. In fact, Sunday, I'm going to tell you how to stay in the favor of God and how to lose the favor of God. You need to be around Sunday. But we're going to talk about it. How many want to retain the favor of God? How many of you got a parking place this week when you said, hey, little help? I went to the mall the other day. Dillard's had a sale on their sport coat, so I went and let them know I was there. Gene's my buddy over there. Gene, you in the house tonight? Gene, you in the house? All right, Gene, I'm going to quit coming to you, buddy. He promised me he'd be here Sunday and also tonight. He's not here either time. I'll get him. I'll get him. I'll get him. He'd have to take another 20% off that suit. Amen. But they had a half of a half sale, so it was, uh, it was quite a bit off the original price, half of half. It's half price and half price. And uh, 
it's an honor. I was, uh, I was driving, and the mall is always a tough place to get a parking place. And I said, I'm going to try this. I like to play this game. I'm going to try this. I said, need a little help. And would you know, I went by a spot that was coming this way, and I, I couldn't go in it this way. I had to go around. There were two spots, one three doors from the front door and the other four cars from the front door. You know what I did? I parked in the fourth car spot so I give somebody else a little more favor. That's what you do. That's what you do. And so it's just, it's just a neat thing. It, it, I mean, it just when you start looking for it, when you start saying, you know, this is favor. When you start looking for it, you, you can't run away from it. Favor is everywhere. God's got his favor everywhere. And he wants to bless you with it. He wants you to honestly be blessed by it and tonight we're going to we're going to talk a little bit tonight and uh i don't know if i'm going to start a series on this or not tonight but i i feel good about talking what i'm going to speak on tonight i'm going to speak tonight on walking the path god has for you walking the path god has for you amen now you see that path there you see on the right side there might be a little chug hole it's a dirt road and it's not, it's not in living color. There's a tree there. It looks like it might be dying. But sometimes that's the path we're on. But I want to talk to you about the path that God has for you tonight. You want to hear the word? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, if he won't be long, I'll listen to him. <laughs> and you may be seated. You're awesome. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Everybody say, walk in the path that God has for me. I thank you for being here. I, I, cannot, I cannot thank you enough. We have probably 60 over in the, in the, in the marriage class, the, the love class. And then we probably have another 50 upstairs in the life with Max class. And we have probably 150 kids next door and probably 130 young people next door. And uh, we, had a, we have a beautiful crowd here tonight. The balcony, thank you all. Thank you for being here. It, just, it, it blesses me beyond measure. And when I first started preaching years ago, I, I preached to a lot of pews. In fact, I used to practice in empty churches when there wasn't anybody there. And I was preaching away one day, just, wear, just wearing whoever was in there out. I was walking and talking and preaching. I was preaching my lungs out. I used to holler like a banshee, just preaching my head off. Because that's what they told you had to do. You have to just preach loud and proud and just go. And I didn't realize that there were some people in the foyer listening to me. And uh, when they came, when they came in, just falling out laughing, it was some young people. It broke me from preaching to empty churches because I never wanted to be heard again, going off like I was going off. But it so is nice. It sure is nice to have people come listen to the word of the Lord. And I promise you, I'm ready tonight to give you something good from my heart to your heart. So let's get into it. Jesus didn't have Facebook, folks. He didn't have a Twitter account. But he repeatedly said to people, follow me. Follow me. When Peter asked about John, he said, what about him? He said, don't worry about him. If he tarries until I come, you follow me. 
You just, you take care of your business. Don't worry about that boy over there. Don't worry about Pete over here. Don't worry about him. You follow me. Jesus always told his people to follow him. It stands to reason that if Jesus says to follow me, then he must be taking us somewhere. See, you don't say to somebody, follow me, unless you have a plan to lead them someplace. So if you heard, if you've ever heard the voice of God say, follow me, then you can know with confidence that God is taking you somewhere. He's taking you somewhere. And if you haven't heard him say that, or if you've been postponing the journey, then I want to encourage you to join us tonight and start walking the path God has for your life. Because God wants everyone to follow him. Amen? Psalm 1611, we're looking at it, and it says, You will make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Or as the King James says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And with external pleasure at your right hand. In other words, the path that you lead me down, Lord, will be full of joy. And it will be full of pleasure. You want joy in your life? You're not going to find it where the world says you're going to find it. You're going to find it in his presence. That external pleasure at your right hand, that's where you're going to find it, in the presence of Almighty God. Psalms 119, the psalmist describes his determination to walk the path God has for his life. Verse 32, you know, that's the longest, that's the longest chapter in the whole Bible. But in verse 32, he said, I run in the path of your commands. In verse 35, he says, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. In Psalms 19, 119 and 101, he says, I have kept my feet from every evil path. In 104, he says, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 128 says, because... I consider all your precepts right. I hate every wrong path. If you want to just read about paths, you need to go home and read all 175 verses in Psalms 119 because it talks about paths a whole lot. But what is a path? Everyone is on a path tonight. Everybody's on a path. Do you believe that? Everybody's going somewhere. Now, let me, let me do something here. I want three guys to come here and help me right quick. I want three guys. Adonis, come here. Royce, come here. Amen. Come here, Justice. Come here, sir. All right. I want you guys to kind of huddle here. Come on. Adonis, I want you to turn this way. Justice, you turn this way facing him. And Royce, you're right there. All right? All right. Now, these three guys standing here in front of you tonight, this is a little, this little, uh, little life lesson. This represents friends. It represents your family. It represents the people at your work. It represents the people at your school. Whatever the premise is, is what these guys represent. So when I say go, I want them to do something here in a moment. I want every one of them to make a 180. When I say go, make a 180, and I want them to walk straight ahead. Adonis will go this way and probably hit that pew right there. And justice will probably go this way and have to stop right there. I don't want no bending paths. I just want you to walk straight until you can't go no more. 
And Royce will probably have to walk the furthest because the back door will be waiting on him. But don't go through the back door. Stay in the auditorium. That's the purpose. But all these people have one thing in common. They're all on a path. So I'm going to tell them, all right, guys, I want you to go. Do a 180 and go until you stop. Thank you, sir. You look like military. <laughs> all right, just stand right there where you are. Thank you, Justice. Stand right there. Turn around and face me. All right. Royce is going to get there in a minute. All right, Royce, turn around face me. Salute me. Man, I could almost hear from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli when you go. Now, all these people have one thing in common. Justice Wainwright, Adonis, Royce, they're all on a path. They all took a path from this platform area in the direction that they was going. And it does not mean because Royce walked to the door by himself that he's alone on his path. It does not mean that these men who walk to the sidelines are alone on their path. But everyone is on a certain path in their life. I want you to say it with me. I'm on a path. And I hope to God tonight that you're on the proper path that God has for you. Amen? Now, the second thing I want to say, these guys are going to do something just, just again for just a moment. Everyone is not on the path God has for them. Say, everyone's not on the path. So here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to all come back to the circle. Come back to the circle. I want all three of you to come back to the circle. And I want you to stop right where you were before you turned and went to where you went. When it comes to God's path for your life, everyone you know, everyone in this room, including you, including you, including you, and including me, is on one of three paths. That's why the three men. But only one of these is the path that God has for you. And I, it's not Justice, it's not Adonis, it's not Royce, but it's the path that God has for us. And it's not the path that we want to choose. It's the path that God has for us. And they all head in one of three directions. I want, I want you to give these guys a hand and say thank you for helping us. And they can be seated. Thank you, guys. I brought three because they all head in one of three directions. First, the first path is people who are committed to all of God's commands. Say amen to that. This is the path God has for you. This is the path that God wants everybody on. The one that he's committed to all of God's commands. If you want to be on this path, hear me now, you don't have to be perfect. But you have to want to please God more than anything else in this world. When you're on the path, that God commands you to walk on, it's not the fact that you have to be perfect. In fact, there are no perfect people in the church. Do I need to preach on that a little bit? It's kind of like that old boy over in East Texas that that preacher came to that Methodist church and he said, I want everybody that thinks they're perfect to stand up right now. And there's one little old man, about 85, stood up over here. And the pastor said, I don't think he heard me. He's hard hearing. 
So he said again, I said, I want everybody that, that is perfect to stand up. And the man just kept standing. And finally, the third time, he said, sir, can I ask you why you're standing? He said, oh, I'm not standing for myself. I'm standing for my wife's first husband. Because <laughs> all he had heard was how good that man was <laughs> and how bad he was. Any of you guys want <laughs> Want to stand up? <laughs> or maybe you want to stand up for your wife's father. Maybe, maybe you women want to stand up for your husband's mother. Because you're not perfect, but boy, when you hear them talk, they were. But you don't have to be perfect. Let me tell you, God is not looking for people that feel perfect. But he's looking for people that have a desire to please him and to honor him and to love him with all their heart. You have to aspire to be a doer of God's commands for your life. So to be on this path means to be in his house is your purpose. To be on this path means to always do his will is your purpose. To be on this path means to always serve his purpose. To be on this path means to always put him first. To be on this path means to live a life of honor. To be on this path means to always try to do good. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you want to please God. To be on this path, you must always be rejoicing. To be on this path, you must always be a worshiper. To be on this path, you must have a heart that is pure, seeking after God. To be on this path, you must have a right spirit in your life. To be on this path, you must have a right attitude. Does anybody want to walk on the path that God has for us in this hour? Amen. It's not always doing the right thing, but it's always aspiring to do the right thing. Oh, I get so tired of hearing perfection, perfection, perfection. What I enjoy. Somebody asked me the other day what my favorite scripture in the whole Bible was. And I, and I had to think, and, and Habakkuk 2 and 3 is what I assigned my book to. But one of the greatest scriptures in the entire Bible to me is Micah 6 and 8. You need to circle it like we talked about circle makers. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, not if I fall, not if I fall, but when I fall. I know I'm going to have problems. I know I'm going to have mistakes in my life. I know I'm not going to be a perfect individual. I know that life is going to be choppy and the seas are going to be boisterous and the wind's going to howl and the thunder's going to crack and the lightning's going to, going to shine in the sky and I'm going to be in storms. But rejoice not against me, O oh my enemy, for when I fall, get ready, I shall arise. Oh, I wish somebody helped me preach right now. I wish somebody would help me preach right now. It's not the sin of stumbling that matters. It's the sin of staying down when you get down. You got to get back up. 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 And though I sit in darkness, the scripture says, You'll be a light unto me. In other words, in other words, I'm going to do something for you when I fall. 
and you're going to do something to, for me when I'm in a corner and I'm all by myself. Because you said if I would, you would. Woo, hallelujah. And that is the message that I preach and I live by in my life because I have stumbled in the pulpit. I have stumbled in my, in my, my manner of handling some people in churches in my life. I have made stumbles in my own family. I have made stumbles in my own life. I have fallen. And I said, what in the world did I do that for? But I didn't stay down. They asked Rocky Marciano, the only undefeated man that ever fought in the ring. They asked him, what's your secret of winning? He said, getting up one more time than you're knocked down. The secret of winning is not the fact that you're not going to fall. The secret of winning is when I do fall, I shall arise. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. The second path is committed to some of God's commands. Not all of them, but some of them. All right, you ready? This person is still negotiating. <laughs> They have agents that negotiate with God. They have people who negotiate their commitment to God's way of doing things. They're good with some of it, but they're still unsurrendered. Because these kind of people have a church life. Stay with me now. Then they have a family life. It's different than church. Then they have a vacation life, which is different from church and family and and then they have a social life that's different from church, different from family, different from vacation. It's social. And then they have a private life. Now, on Sunday, they're wonderful. But Mondays with family sometimes is not good. And then socially, sometimes they step way over the line. And then privately sometimes they do things. Let me tell you something. Let me give you a little slogan. What's done in Vegas don't stay in Vegas. I'm preaching to you tonight. I'd rather with everything that's in me have somebody scream my sins to the heavens as me try to hold them in my heart and hide them from God. If you're falling in your walk with God, repent and say, God, forgive me. Because God loves you enough to forgive you right where you are and turn your life around. Can I preach to you a little bit? It's temptation. Hey, 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 hey. You, you are stronger than temptation when you make the choice to stay on the path that God wants you to be on. I've always said this, and I'm going to back it again tonight. When you make the right choice, God gives you the proper power to complete the choice that you have made in life. And there's some things you don't need to be messing with and fooling with. Get on God's path. And it don't mean you have to be perfect. I'm not talking about that. But you need to have the right intent. You need to have the right heart. You need to have the right spirit and say, Oh, God, I have fallen today, but I'm going to get back up. I'm going to stand up again, and I'm going to make it further this time. Some people are battling, 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 and they say, Pastor, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been drug-free for a year. I clap for them. I rejoice for them because I think that's awesome. But some people fall after a year because they want to celebrate a year. Some people have the same problem with alcoholism. Can I preach to you tonight? But I'm not going to throw you under the bus. I just want you to get back up and not stay in that middle path, but get on God's path. And 
say, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to be right. I'm going to fight for right in my own life and in my own heart. Wow. And then the third path is committed to none of God's commands. When this person has taken a path away from God, he ignores God. He's not interested in God. He's only interested in pleasing himself. I want what I want. I'm going to have what I want. And God's not going to get in my way. Now, I do not think that there's anybody like that in this service tonight. But if there is, I promise you with all my heart that the way of a transgressor is not easy. It's very difficult. Why don't you just go ahead and surrender yourself? Can I tell you, there's more fun being a Christian than you can ever imagine. Lord, I have fun. I have fun being a Christian. It's so much fun being a Christian because when I lay down at night, I'm not worried about dreaming bad. I'm not worried about not waking up in the morning. I'm not worried about all the stuff that's happened to me that day. I'm not running from the IRS. I'm not running from the, uh, the goon squad. I'm not running from anybody. Nobody hates me. Nobody's after me. Nobody's going to hurt me. I believe that God's got his hand on me. God's protecting me. That's a good feeling to walk that way through life. You know what? And I can enjoy life. You know, the greatest life in all the world is being a Christian. Why don't, you just, why don't you just fall into the path of Christianity and let God lead you and say, follow me. And you follow after him because it's the greatest life you could ever live in your whole life. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. Now, there's a reason why people start on the right path, but they don't stay on the right path. There's two reasons. I'm going to preach that and I'm, gonna, I'm done with you. Number one, people get distracted. They get distracted. And it's easy. It's easy to get distracted. It's very easy to get distracted because there's a lot of distractions in the world. There's a lot of stuff out there. A man one time in the Old Testament was asked to guard a prisoner one day. And when the authorities came back for the man, he was not there. The prisoner was gone. He had escaped. And when, when the man who was to be the guard was asked by the authorities why, the guardian said this. Here's what he said. I got busy. I just got busy going here and there. And when I returned, he was gone. It's amazing how when we get busy, things can just leave us. I have a dear friend in this church named Stuart Foreman. Stuart is a defensive coach for the Hayes High School team, football team. And he has, he's, he's coached a number of years. And, and, and Stuart and I went to a, a basketball game last night. Went to see little Jada Riley play for the Bowie Bulldogs. The Lady Bulldogs. When I say Bowie, you say Bulldogs. Bowie. Bowie. I heard that last night a few times. And I sat right in front of the chief justice of the Supreme Court's wife who was the coach now she's not the coach but she was the coach and I wish Rhonda was here tonight she's visited our church many times let her know Debbie that I preached about her tonight oh she was coaching those kids but when we, we went to that game last night and we saw it and Jada was so good and I compliment her not because her parents are in the building tonight but Jada is a she's a pure hearted ball player she gives it all she has and and you can see it, if I'm, a, if I'm a scout, I can see who's got the it and who doesn't have the it, and Jada's got the it. And she's got another year, and we're going to, Bowie's going to be better next year, because that's where all my kids graduated, and Bowie needs to win championships. 
But we was on our way home last night from that ball game, and, and Stuart was telling me about an incident in his life. And, uh, and uh, he, he, when he drove up, we got in my car and went over there. And, and uh, he said, I can take mine, Pastor, but he said it's still kind of messed up a little bit. He said, the other day, Pastor, he said, I was just, I was just driving, he said, and I, I just, just quit myself for it, but I was driving down the road and said, I reached over to get something over here. I think it was a cup of coffee he had placed over here. He said, I just reached over, just looked for a second, and when I looked up, there was a car. And he said, I didn't even have time to hit my brakes. He said, I hit that car so hard, he hit the car in front of it. And said, my insurance didn't really like that. I said, no. He said, can you imagine me, person like me, person like you, going down the road and just all of a sudden, bam, you hit a car. He said, Pastor, I totally got distracted just for a second. And I'm not saying that you need to be just on guard all the time, but you don't need to let your guard down because hell wants you to wreck. Hell wants you to damage. Hell wants you to destroy things that are good in your life. Hell don't want you to have a good family. Hell does not want your kids to be the right kind of kids. Hell does not want your job to be successful. Hell does not want things for you in your life. I don't care what hell tells you, hell's not for you. There's only one that's for you, and that's Almighty God. Amen? Hell may paint a pretty picture, but hell wants you to wreck by getting distracted. The book of Luke 9:59 says, He, Jesus, said to the man, Follow me. But the man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. He got distracted. Now, here's the, here's the history of that scripture right there. His dad was not dead. His dad was still much alive. In fact, his dad probably had 20 or 30 or 40 more years to live. It wasn't the fact that his dad was dead. He just wanted to stay home until his dad died, and then he would come and follow the Lord. And he got distracted over something that was going to take him 20 years to make up his mind. When Jesus says, follow me, he doesn't want you to wait 20 years to say yes. He doesn't want you to wait five years to say yes. I believe with all my heart when he says, follow me, he wants you to say, oh, yes, Lord, thank you for calling me. I'm going to follow you. When he called his disciples, the Bible said immediately they left what they were doing and followed after him. Two of John's disciples turned on their heels and started following him. And John didn't think anything about it because they understood that you don't have all day to make this choice. You need to make it when your heart is tender. You need to make it when your spirit is right because you need to follow after God in your whole life. Am I talking to you tonight? Am I speaking to you? You need to follow after him. It's amazing. And then verse 61, he said, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to the family. What he was saying is my dad, my mom, my sister, my brother, all mean more to me than following you does. And Jesus said, if you don't forsake them, if you don't say goodbye to that, in other words, I've got to be more important than anything in your world. I can't let you get distracted because your dad may not be a Christian and he may fight you for five, ten years and you've lost that five or ten years. Let me tell you something. You can get along with your father being a Christian. He may not get along with you being a Christian, but you can get along with anybody when you're a child of God. Amen. Clap your hands and say that's so. Some of you know what I'm talking about. 
on your job. You got an old reviling boss that may curse about every other word and, and you get along with him because you have the Spirit of God in you. They can't get along with Christians many times, but Christians can get along with those kind of people. I'm going to tell you, Christianity is the greatest life in all the world. It really, really is. We don't, we don't throw in the towel. We don't give up. We don't, we don't revile anybody. We just love God and we love people and we get along with life because that's what Christians do. Say amen to that. That's just what we do. This is a story of some people. Always a reason not to put God first. I've got to bury my father. I've got to say goodbye to my parents. They're distracted. So they get busy with life, jobs, family, projects, travel. They say things like, we haven't been to church in a long time. I ran into a precious lady at the ball game last night, a precious lady, Stuart and I did. Hadn't been to church in a long, long time. And when she saw me, she was both embarrassed and happy because she knew I wasn't going to hurt her. But at the same time, she felt guilty because she hadn't been to church in a long time. And her words were, it's, it's, it's been a busy time for us. I've had a baby, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of. We moved last spring. We had to remodel our house. Um, some of my kids are in a sports program, been training to get back in shape. Weekends are crazy. It's just been a crazy, busy time. Yeah, it's a crazy, busy time for all of us. But when you make up your mind not to let distractions take you away from the things that God wants you to do, you can make time for the kingdom of God in your life. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be through here in about another 10 minutes, folks. An hour and 10 minutes on a Wednesday night is not going to hurt anybody. An hour and 15 to 30 on Sunday morning is not going to hurt anybody. You need that in your life. You need that in your life. I'm going to tell you right now one more time, you need church in your life. You need to be in the house of God in your life. Somebody said, well, you know, Pastor, I've been coming a long time and, and, and I haven't got what I wanted in church. That's why God wants you to keep coming. Because if God fixed everything the first time, then you'd never show up the second time. But I promise you, if you keep coming, you're going to get better every time you come to the house of God. And when you make up your mind, this is what you want more than anything in your life, you're going to get better quicker. And once you start getting better, you're going to love where you are, and you're not going to ever want to go back to where you came from, because that's what God does when you really wholly follow after Him and are not distracted by things in life. Amen. 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 Life will always pull you off the path God has for you unless you make it a priority to walk the path he has for your life. Say priority, priority. Over, distraction. over distraction. And the second thing, and we'll close in just a minute, the second thing that keeps people off the right path is offenses. Let me talk to you. The Bible said in the last days many will be offended. And woe to them that cause the offense. I want to talk real plain to you now. Offended people have to decide between holding on to the offense or walking the path that God has for you. I've always believed that the reason a lot of marriages get in trouble is that somebody thinks they have to be right every time. You don't have to be right none of the time. You just have to be in love. You just have to love that person. You know, Professor Higgins said to Eliza Doolittle, my fair lady, I wish you thought more like a man. She said, I'll never be that. 
You know, there's something about women and something about men that's so unique. Women have whole brains, and men are half-brained. We have logic and creative, and women have the whole thing. But I, it's an adult class, but men have a whole month, and women have a half a month. So we got a problem here. Everybody's got a half, and everybody's got a whole. So here's the deal. How do we get along with men with half brains and women with half months? How do we get along? You make an effort to get along. You just don't let everything offend you. My mom used to say, get your feelings off your sleeve. Get your feelings off your sleeve. Don't carry your feelings on your shoulders. Somebody's going to knock it off. And then she looked at me and she said, it's probably going to be me. Anybody ever had a Daniel Green house shoe after you? Oh, oh. Mom used to use a, a house shoe to knock that bad attitude off my shoulder. Sometimes she'd hit me. She's knocking that attitude off. You need to slap that attitude off. Somebody said, well, the devil's on one shoulder and the Lord's on the other shoulder. Good angel, bad angel. All that happens in life. You say, how do I do it, Pastor? How do I do it? Well, the more you listen to the right things, the more the wrong things will be less and less in your life. You just got to accentuate the positive and start eliminating the negative. Is this making sense? I'm just telling you just forthright. There, every one of us have times when the evil one wants to speak into our world, and you can't let that happen continually because hell is here to destroy by dividing. God is here to save by uniting. Amen? And it happens in church. It happens in families. It happens in life. You cannot carry offenses and stay on the right path because offenses distort reality. Offenses causes judgment and strife. There's no peace in a place of offense. Offenses make a person impossible to work with. Offenses will come. Woe to those who cause them. You know what beatitude we all need to hear from the Lord? There's nine on the Sermon on the Mount. Nine beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the pure in heart. But there's one in Matthew 11 and 6 that we don't think about. Blessed is he, Jesus said, when he was talking about John, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Jesus is saying there's going to be things you don't understand in life. But you don't have to get offended. There don't, you don't need to be an offended person at the Lord. And when you can't see him and can't be offended at him, then you get offended at people that represent him. You don't need to have offenses in your life. You don't need to have that. He went on to say an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. In other words, it's easier to capture a fortified city than it is to win over an offended brother. It's difficult to win over an offended person. So what I've done, I've just made up my mind. I'm not going to have no undercurrent in my life. I'm going to pastor this church with my whole heart. I'm going to pastor this church with my whole mind. I love everybody in this church. I love everybody. Jesus loves little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. He loves everybody. And if a true pastor loves people like that, there's no offense in this house. We're all together. We're all one people. We're all one body. We're all one company of believers. Amen? Amen. And also, it doesn't matter where you are socially. It doesn't matter where you are job-wise. The only place that will receive everybody like we receive is a church house. Because there's stipulations on everybody else. 
you got to be this, you got to be that. But a church house has a beautiful grace that accepts and receives everybody. It's not time to be offended. The opportunity to be offended will pre present itself repeatedly in your life and will take you off course with the path God has for you. When you take a wrong turn on your way to Austin, you can lose a few minutes. But when you take a wrong turn in life, you can miss an entire season of your life, even a lifetime. That happens when people are offended. I had a pastor friend of mine. I'm closing. This is the last story I'm going to tell. I had a pastor friend of mine who had this young man in his church that was such a promising, promising young man. He had leadership in him, just had it. And when the kid was like 18 years old, he committed to a, to a life of doing the things that were right. But he walked that path of Sunday was God day and Monday was, you know, work day and Tuesday was social life day and Wednesday was back to church and then Thursday was more family and more work and more social and then Friday might have been a little private life and he, he, he lived both sides and one day he, he got, out of, got out of church and started running with the wrong crowd and he made, he made his choices and his choices were not good and he got away from God and went away to a college and played ball and was a good athlete played football in a college was a good athlete and, and, and the partying got worse and the, the crowds got worse and the more popular he got, the worse it got. And he had made a commitment to God. He had made a commitment to God that I want to be a leader in a church. When he got out of college and was passed over in the draft and went as a free agent to a particular club, and after a few weeks was cut from that club, picked up by another club and cut from that club, picked up by another club, he felt like his dream was fading. But that wasn't his dream. His dream was to be a leader of people in a church. And God does all kinds of things to make people understand that when you're walking his path, you're going to walk his path. And many times we look at life and we say, you know, I, I didn't get a fair shake here. But it might have been the fact that God knew it would have took him away instead of bringing him to the presence of God. So he returned back to his local church and his pastor, a dear friend of mine, told me a story. He got back and he said, Pastor, and he, on a Sunday morning he recommitted his life to God and it was a beautiful, beautiful morning and people were rejoicing because the boy was home. It was a prodigal day. And so they started letting him volunteer and volunteer he did and the pastor saw that leadership in him. He saw it in him. And so one day the pastor said, Son, I got plans for you. I think you'd be a great children's pastor and eventually be a wonderful youth pastor. When he heard the word youth pastor, he just went crazy because that was what he wanted to do. He wanted to lead young people. And he said, I'm going away. I'm going to another country in about a couple of weeks. He said, I'll write you and I'll let you hear from me. And the pastor purposefully, now this is the way he pastors. I don't quite pastor this way, but purposefully did not write this young man, did not write him testing his spirit to see where his spirit was. Went on off to that trip to another country. When he came back, the young man was so beside himself. He went, went back to his house and, and told his wife, he was married now, and told his wife, he said, I want to get out of here. I don't ever want to see the church again. The pastor stood me up. The pastor did this. But what he forgot was that a church waited on him all these years. And that church had given him grace on that Sunday morning. You got to think about this now. 
but because a pastor didn't write him a letter, because a pastor didn't give him what he wanted when he wanted it, he, so he blew up. And so the wife looked at him and, God, I love her. She said, run on, run on. That's what offended people do. They just run on, just run on. She said, but don't pack two suitcases. I'm not going with you because I'm not offended. Run on. He said, you're not going with me? She said, I'm not going with you. So while the pastor was still gone, he went back to the church and had a prayer meeting. Pretty long story, but it, it's got some great depth to it. Went back to the church and prayed a little bit. And when the pastor got back, he said, Pastor, I've messed up. The deal was he was the only one offended. He wanted everybody else to get offended with him. And he couldn't even get his wife to get offended. He's a great leader. You listening to me? You don't have to ball up because somebody in your family does. There's still a right path to take. So when we prayed, when the pastor got back, he went to him. He said, Pastor, I told you a long time ago, I'd rather volunteer in this church as work for another church. And he said, you know what? He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to volunteer. If you never put me on full time, that's fine. I just want to be a servant in this house. And his wife standing up to him saying, I'm not going to be offended with you, caused him to go and repent and pray. I forgot to tell you that he had left that church. When he left that church because he was offended, he went to another church and, and was a youth pastor for a little while, and it blew up in his face because he had the wrong attitude toward where he came from. Then he came back, repented, and the pastor said, okay, we'll let you work. It wasn't but about three months the pastor came to him. He said, you ready to go to work? He said, I'm ready, sir. He said, I want you to be our youth pastor. And for the last 13 years, the last 13 years, that young man has served a huge congregation of 10,000 people because he finally got over his offense. Offenses will take you down roads that you don't need to go down. Offenses will hurt you all the days of your life. You've got to get on the right path. And you can't be distracted by everything that wants to pull you off the path. And you can't have offenses every time something doesn't go right in your life. The beauty of John the Baptist, and I close, the beauty of John the Baptist was that he was in prison. He was Jesus' cousin. And Jesus was healing the sick, raising the dead, touching the lepers, healing the blind, opening the deaf ears, and the poor had the gospel preached to him. And John's in prison, and Jesus didn't even touch him. He said, go tell him, blessed is he who's not offended in me. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.